All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you guys so much for being here. It is exciting to see a room full of people on a Saturday morning uh, wanting to dig into Scripture and talk about what it means to be a spiritual leader. So that gets me pumped up. Anybody else pumped up to be here this morning? Very good. So this is the game plan. What we want to talk about is the essentials of spiritual leadership. That's the theme of what we're doing. And how we're going to go about doing it is we're going to break it up into 10 different uh, short sessions. Okay, We're going to do five this morning, and we're planning on doing five in two weeks. So each one, uh, I'll start by, by talking for a while uh, on the session, and we're recording all these, so hopefully they can kind of live on as people continue to come to our church or for those that can't make it. And then we'll probably open it up for some questions and answers after each one, uh, take some breaks, and then we'll keep on moving through the first five sessions this morning, and then we'll do the next six in two weeks right here, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, so that's, that's the game plan. But let me start by just uh, lifting this whole time up to God in prayer, and then we'll dive right in to session number one. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we praise you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, that he came into this world, that he lived the perfect life, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose again, that he is sitting at your right hand right now, and that he is surely coming back someday. And God, we thank you for the promise that he made that he will build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God, really, that's our prayer this morning, is that you would build your church, and even specifically that you would build our church, uh, God, that you would make it a strong, healthy, disciple-making church. God, that is our prayer, and we pray that you would use our time this morning and in two weeks, God, just to strengthen all of us, to unify us, and to build up this church for the glory of Jesus Christ. God, that's our prayer. That is why we are here, and we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So go ahead and take out those booklets. You'll see there there's uh, notes for ev just a, giving you a blank sheet for every session, so you can use that, or if you'd rather type whatever is more preferable to you. But you should find there's a page of session one, and session one front and back, and that's where we want to get started. So if you have those books and you open them to session one, you can even just write a title in there. Session one is called Everybody All the Time. Everybody All the Time. So if you made it here this morning, uh, at some point you woke up this morning. And we, we probably don't even think about that, right? You, you woke up, you got out of bed. But there was a lot that happened in you waking up and getting out of bed. Your whole body was involved in that, you know, very simple process. I mean, it started with, with your head, right? At some point, you, you woke up, you opened your eyes, you realized, I'm awake, it's the morning, it's time to, to wake up. And, and then the next thing that got involved was probably your hands and your arms as you reached to, you know, slap snooze or the off button on some alarm clock. And depending on the person in this room, that cycle might have repeated itself a few times, right? Of sleep, wake up, slap the alarm, you know, might have happened a couple times. 
But then once you finally said, okay, it's time to get out of bed, more of your body got involved, your core got involved as you sat up in bed. And then your legs and your feet got involved as you put your feet on the floor and, and actually maybe your arms and your core again to push up and to stand up and then to walk wherever it was you needed to go and start your day. I mean, the simplest task, the first thing you started your day with, took your whole body being involved. Every part had to function. Now, some of you in this room, you might say that process is harder than it used to be. And there's parts of my body that don't work as well as they used to. But if you got up and you made it here this morning, I mean, if you woke up and one of those things just, okay, it was more painful than it used to be, but just wasn't happening at all, that would have been a big problem, right? If you go to try to get out of bed and your legs aren't moving, right? I mean, we're calling the hospital, right? We're going to the emergency room. That is a big deal. The whole body has to be working. All the parts working together, even to do the simplest thing. Now, where have I heard that illustration used before? That's right, in the Bible. That's one of the most common illustrations to refer to the church. It talks about the church like a body, where there's different parts that have different functions, but in order for the church to be healthy, the whole body has to be working. Not just certain parts of it, the whole thing. And that's really what we want to, to see happen in our church, if it's going to be healthy. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this today. Because what's it going to take for our church to be healthy? Who's going to have to be involved serving the Lord? The answer is everybody, all the time. That's the way it has to look. So I hope you brought one of these with you this morning, because we're going to be using it. And let's open up to Ephesians chapter 4. You might want to jot that down if you're taking notes. That's the main passage, one of two main passages we're going to look at in this first session. And even if you're wondering, equipped, where did we get that word from? Right here in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to briefly look at verses 11 to 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now, if we stop right there, the first thing I want you to notice is that that's all referring to leaders in the church. And even, I think, some of those, especially the apostles, the prophets, these were foundational, uh, unique people at the, in the beginning of the church. And then even now today we see, well, shepherds, teachers, even in your Bible under, you might be a footnote under shepherds that says pastors, right? So these are the people that we would think of as leaders in the church. But then I want you to notice the next verse. What are those people there for? It says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of of Christ. So the question is, who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? Who is supposed to be building up the body of Christ? If we look at the passage, it's the saints. The pastors are there to equip the saints, to equip every believer to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. 
Who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? Who is supposed to build up the body? Everybody, all the time. That is what the Bible is teaching us. Now, do the pastors, do the leaders of a church have a role to play in that? Absolutely. Should you expect your your pastor to work hard? Absolutely. But you should be thinking, this is a team. Everybody is working. Maybe the pastor's the quarterback calling some of the plays, but if you think about a football team, right, it's never going to work if there's just one person doing something. It takes a whole team even doing different things to move the ball down the field. So the leaders of the church are there to equip the people in the church, the saints, to do the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Let's pick it up again in verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, right? The goals are, hey, we want everybody growing. We want to see unity. We want to see more knowledge. We want to see more maturity. These are the goals. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. From whom, and now notice some of the language here in verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly so that the body grow, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's this picture here. Every part of the body is working. And and the body's going to be healthy and people are going to be growing when each part is working properly, the whole body, and is equipped to do that. And that's when we're going to see the church be built up in love. That is the goal. And clearly from this passage, we get a sense this involves everybody. This involves everybody that has put their faith in Christ and that is a part of the local church. Now the other passage that I want us to look at just to remind us, okay, well, what what is the body of Christ supposed to be doing? What is our mission? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 28. Maybe keep a finger there in Ephesians, but Matthew 28. This is a verse we refer to often. And I think that's good. I think that's important because any organization needs to know what's our mission statement? What's our purpose? What are we trying to do? Well, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, helps us remember, helps us understand what we are supposed to do. Verse 18 reminds us who it's all about. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? It's all about Jesus. It's all about His power. It's all about His authority. And then He tells us, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's the purpose statement of our, of our church, and I think should be really of any church. Our, the mission of the church is to make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And, and that's the main verb there. If you get into the Greek language in that passage, the main verb, the main command is make disciples. And then there's phrases around that, like baptizing them. Well, baptizing, that's, that's what 
somebody does when they profess their faith in Christ, the public profession of faith in Christ. It's always in Scripture associated with somebody getting saved. We want to see people getting saved at our church. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We want to see people growing, becoming more like Christ. We saw a lot of that in Ephesians 4, right? Becoming more mature, uh, becoming more like Christ. And then we want to see people trained up, going. That Every Christian can then turn around and make disciples themselves. Reaching, teaching, training. That's how we often break down this core mission that we have of making followers of Jesus Christ. That's going to involve seeing some people that aren't followers of Jesus Christ become followers of Jesus Christ. That's going to involve every follower of Jesus Christ growing in obedience and holiness. And then it's going to involve followers of Jesus Christ being trained up to then pass it on to somebody else. That is what our church wants to do. And for us to do that effectively, what's it going to take? Everybody, all the time. That's the picture that we see there in Ephesians chapter 4, which if you go back there and especially look at those last two verses, it's going to take everybody speaking the truth to one another in love, growing up in every way. So how are we supposed to grow? In every way. Into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so I hope that you're seeing just from some of these passages, for us to be a healthy church and what God wants is a picture that are there going to be leaders involved? Absolutely. But it, that, that's not what it's up to. It is down to every person in the church thinking, I am here to serve the body of Christ. And even, I think, if we tie in Matthew 28, every Christian should be thinking, I am here to make disciples. That's not just, oh, that's something the pastor does, or that's something the staff of the church does, or that's something that the life group leaders do. Obviously, they're all involved in that, and hopefully leading the charge in that. But every Christian should be thinking, I am here to make disciples. Reaching, teaching, training. I want to be used by God to lead other people to Christ. I want to be used by God to help other people, other Christians, become more like Christ. And I want to be used by God to help other Christians be sharper so that they are better equipped to make disciples themselves. Every Christian should be thinking that way. And so as we get started... And as we wrap up the, the first session here, I want to just give you three things that that means for you. Just three words that every Christian should be doing and should be, should be thinking about. And the first word is just care. You have to care. You have to see, and your vision of Christianity has to be something that's bigger than just yourself. I mean, in Western culture, we like to talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus, right? And I think we all understand what that's trying to say, and it's important, right? It can't just be ritual. It can't just be empty religion. There has to be a personal relationship of faith between you and Jesus Christ. That is essential. But sometimes we almost kind of overcook that to the point that it's like, that's what it's all about. Just me and Jesus. 
where even we talked about last weekend at church, what's the word in the New Testament, the most common word in the New Testament referring to believers? Brothers, right? This is the picture. You have to see Christianity, yes, it centers around a personal relationship with you and Jesus, but it's got to be so much more than that. You are now have brothers and, and sisters. You're a part of a team. You are a part of a local church. And so you have to care. You have to set your vision beyond just your own faith and your own life to, to those around you. And, and even as we think about caring, a couple things you have to care about. One is you just have to care about Jesus. You have to love Him. Uh, we've been looking at John chapter 1, come and see, right? And when people meet Jesus, the instinct reaction is, I'm going to go get somebody else and say, come and see who Jesus is. And that is 100% driven by how awesome Jesus is. And that's what everybody in our church needs to think. We need to remember how awesome Jesus is, and that's going to motivate us to care beyond ourselves. Because we want everybody, and that's not just the, the unbeliever down the street from you, that's the person sitting next to you on Sunday morning who, uh, they, 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 their faith is in Jesus too, but you're like, man, I would love to see them grow because Jesus is that worth it, because he is that amazing, because he is that good. We need to love Jesus, and then as we care, we need to love other people, right? The first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And how much more is that elevated when we see other Christians? What was the command that Jesus focused on you know, in his last words to his disciples? The last night before he was crucified, he's saying, Hey guys, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, you ought to love one another. In fact... This is going to be what sets you apart. Remember how Jesus said that? If you want to jot down the reference, it's John 13, 33, and 34. But he's saying, by this, everybody's going to know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So as we're starting, hey, spiritual leadership, what does that look like? Step one is you got to care. You got to care. Man, Jesus is that good. I want to see him glorified and more people growing in him and I care about other people, and I love them, and I know that the more they're following Jesus, the better that is for them. And and those motives are going to drive us then to take the steps involved in spiritual leadership. So care. Second word that you should probably write down then is serve. Serve. And if you want to just jot down a reference, uh, jot down 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, which simply says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And on this level, I would like you to think about even just serving in, in the practical ways, right? Um, church has practical needs, and it looks different from maybe century to century and culture to culture, right? One need our church has is we literally need a team of guys that set the whole thing up on Sunday morning and tear it down, right? Uh, that's just a practical need. And that's just one of a long list of practical needs that our church has, even every life group. Somebody needs to host it. Maybe somebody's bringing dessert or a meal for, for it, right? There's all kinds of practical things. And Scripture is saying, hey, 
everybody has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Every Christian should say, hey, here's something practical and tangible that I am doing to serve my local church and to meet the needs and to facilitate the ministry there. It's going to take everybody all the time. But then the third word that I want us to think about, and this is where, I mean, I think lots of times we think that way. Yeah, I should serve. And I'm I've been super thankful for the way so many people that have come to our church have jumped in and wanted to serve. Praise God for that. But one of the reasons that we're doing this particular conference is I want us to see that it's more than that. So the third word I want you to write down is invest. Remember Ephesians 4, speaking the truth to one another in love, right? That we're building one another up. And I don't think that there's a way you can just, you know, check a box to do that, right? I mean, you, we need people on the setup and teardown team, checking that box every week, getting that specific task done, right? But there's an element in a local church where we have to invest in one another in ways that it's not just, hey, I'm checking a box. I showed up some on a Thursday night or on a Sunday morning and I did the thing and now I'm done. There has to be a care and an investment in other people. And even one set of passages that helps us, I think, see what this looks like that we spent a month looking at back in October is the one another's of the New Testament, right? The whole church, everybody all the time needs to be living out those commands of the things that we're supposed to do to one another. Number one on the list, love one another. But here, here's just a few more that I'd love for you to write down. Verses like this, Romans 15, 14, which says, Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. That within the church, and it's not just taught, he's writing to the average person in the church saying, hey, if you're following Jesus, there's some level to which you guys should be able to give counsel to each other. Now, that's not saying, hey, there's not ever going to be needs that, you know, hey, let's meet with somebody else or, or whatever it might be. But at a basic level, we should be talking to one another and making that investment. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, that's, you can't just check a box to do that. You have to know people. You have to invest in that relationship. You need to see, hey, This is maybe a a physical burden or a a logistical burden or maybe a spiritual burden that this person is carrying and I'm going to jump in and seek to love them and help carry this for them. Or here's another one. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, here's this picture that the Word is dwelling in each of us so richly that it kind of bubbles over. One way is into to singing and praise and thanksgiving, and another way is we're talking to one another about the Word, encouraging one another, sometimes even admonishing one another with the Word of God. And so it's more than just, all right, I'm showing up on a Sunday morning, check, I'm doing the church thing. It's more than just, all right, I'm holding down the fort on you know this kids' men class or as an usher or on the connect team, which are all great and necessary places that we need people to, to do the practical things the church needs to do. But there's a step beyond that, which is I care about specific people and I'm investing 
in them. And realizing none of us, nobody in this room is perfect. As one author put it, we are people in need of change, helping people in need of change, right? But we're working together on this and investing in one another. And so that part, even this investment in one another, that will be really what we dig into a lot more of the practicals of in two weeks, in the last five sessions. And what we're going to do this morning is really try to lay the foundation for that. If we're going to make that investment, what are some of the foundational things that need to happen even before that happens? When you think about a body, that's what the Bible uses to describe a church. We are a growing body. But you think of, you know, your little kids when, they, when they're growing, right? The babies. What happens? They get real chubby, right? And it's a polite way of saying sometimes, they, you know, it's like, that's a fat baby, right? <laughs> that's, that's just the, the brutal truth of it, right? But what happens, lots of times they do that because they're not doing anything, right? They're just sitting there. They don't move at all. They just cry, eat, sleep, and poop. That's all they do. But when they start crawling, when they start walking, when they start moving, a lot of that baby fat, it goes away. And they become lean. They start developing little muscles, right? That should be the goal for our church. We're a growing church, but we don't want that growth to just turn into, I'll be polite, we don't want to be a chubby church, okay? We want to be a church that's moving, right? And that takes everybody all the time. And when we do that, we can be a, a healthy church, a strong church, a, a reproducing church that more disciples are being made. And hopefully, even though this still might be years down the road, we're, see, we're sending out other churches. That's where we want to be. And to get there takes everybody all the time. 